Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Come on. Boy, look around. There's a lot of people in this room right now looking for Jesus to do something great in their life in 2024. If you're one of those people, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm looking for it. Now look to the person on the other side of you you just neglected. <laughs> you knew it wasn't going to be them to start with, didn't you? You knew it wasn't going to be them. It's all right. It's okay. They, it wasn't going to be you either for them, so don't worry about it. Hey, listen, we are so excited. I, 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 I'm excited because uh, we were just in New York, me, uh, my wife, and Pastor Justin. So me and my wife planned a New York trip. Well, actually, I planned it for her. She had always said, man, I, I would love to see New York at Christmas time to see the tree lit up and all that stuff. And as a husband, I'm like, mental note, I'm going to surprise her one day. And so, uh, and then about it last year, I think she was like, I would love to see the ball drop in New York. I think she meant that like very generically, not specifically, but I was like, Mental note, fellas, pay attention, right? And, uh, and so this past year, I surprised her with a trip to New York. I said, I'm taking to New York at Christmas and New Year's to do all this stuff. And so we invited a bunch of people. It was going to be great. Uh, Pastor Justin was one of them. Everybody else bailed on us except for Pastor Justin. So me and my wife and Pastor Justin went on vacation. Uh, and <laughs> it was great. Uh, but what I found out traveling with them is that I basically have married the female version of Pastor Justin. <laughs> Especially when we travel especially when we travel. And so uh, the, the reality is, so we, we, uh, what I found out is see, when, we, when we landed on the plane, uh, we, we traveled all day, got to New York, took an Uber into the city because our hotel was in Times Square. Uh, then we get there. And when I get to a hotel room, I want to set my luggage down. <sighs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? I just need, I need a minute. Anybody need a minute? Where the need a minute people at in here, all right? All right. Now, <clears throat> apparently my wife and Pastor Justin are not that way. Before we even set the luggage down, they're like, all right, we can go. And then we're going to walk 600 blocks and we're going to do this. And we're going to, and I'm, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I got outvoted. So we like, we hit the ground running, man. We're going all, all over New York. And, and, and so here's what this trip has taught me though. The, the trip taught me um, that there are two different types of travelers, and they usually marry one another, which is a problem. But I realized there are the we'll see what happens travelers, right? Which is like, because I asked them, they're like, yo, let's go, let's get out of the room, let's go in the city. I'm like, where are we going? They're like, oh, we'll just see what happens. And I was like, nah, nah, I don't, I don't want to just see what happens. Like, I need to know where's the next place I'm sitting down at. That's what I need to know. Like, and I've realized I'm a destination traveler. I need to know where the next destination is. Where am I going to be able to get something to drink, something to eat, sit down? Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? So I need to know what, if I'm leaving where I'm at, where am I going? I need to know that answer. They, not that way. We'll just figure it out. And so we just figured it out two days, and then I slept for a day. Because I was like, I'm done figuring it out with y'all. <clears throat> but it was great. We were there, and we got to be uh, in Times Square when the ball dropped and all that good stuff. But here's the thing that I've realized is whether it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on with traveling, here's one thing I know for your life, and it's that you may travel and be okay just figuring it out, but I think most people want their life to end up a certain way. I, I think most people are destination 
type of living people, even if they're, we'll see what happens, kind of travel people. Y'all with me today? And so what I, what I was thinking about as we were getting ready for this year is this idea that if you want to have a certain life, if you want God to help you live a certain kind of life, if you want to be blessed and fruitful, if you want to have all those things in your life, then you had better set the right trajectory for your life if you're going to end up in that place. And, and here's the way I put it. I think too many people are wandering through life aimlessly, hoping for a very vague and poorly planned outcome. Now, you wouldn't hope for a poorly planned outcome, but the outcome you're hoping for is probably poorly planned if you haven't set the right trajectory for what you want it to look like. And I think that's what most people fall into the trap of. Matter of fact, the end of 2024 will probably look a lot like the end of 2023 in a lot of ways if you haven't set the right trajectory for your life. And I think all of us can fall into this. The problem is it's the vagueness, our lack of clarity for the life that we want that makes it difficult for us to live the life that God wants. Let me help you out for a second. How many guys want to live a blessed life? Right? Okay, good. Two-thirds of the room. The other third of y'all, whatever, you know, just do what you want. Uh, but we, how many guys would say, I want to be blessed? Right? Well, here's the question I have for you. What does a blessed life look like? Because for some people, a blessed life might be financial blessing, but for some people, a blessed life might just be more peace. So, so if you're chasing after one thing and you don't know what you're really going after, can you really walk out a blessed life if you can't even define what a blessed life looks like? Here's another example. I want a good marriage. Any married folks want a good marriage, right? So, but here's the question. What is a good marriage? Because if you, see, for some people, they may say a good marriage to me is a marriage with great communication, whereas your spouse may say a good marriage for me is, is a marriage with more physical intimacy. So every time you try to be physically intimate, they want to talk. That relationship theory starts in February, all right? So, <laughs> but the reason that strikes a chord is because if you haven't defined what the best version of your marriage looks like, you got two different people chasing after two different things. Which case in point, if you can't define it, you can't obtain it, right? I want a good job. That's what a lot of people say. I want a good job. Well, what is a good job? Because a, jo a good job for some people might be more money, but hear me, a good job for other people might be more freedom. I want to be with my kids more. I want to be able to travel more. I don't, I don't care about making more money. I want to be able to do these things. Well, if you can't define it, then how do you know you've obtained it? Some people would say, I just want to be happy. I want to be happy. The question is, what is happiness to you? And if you can't define it, how can you obtain it? Other people would say, I want to be successful. I just want to be successful, man. I want, I, I want success in my life. Well, hear me. What if success for you is different, for the, different than success is for the person sitting next to you? More importantly, what if you have varying degrees of success in your life? So, so you say, man, I want to be, what, what, what if checking all the boxes on your list isn't what success is for you? See, I've bought into, I've really tried to buy into the John Maxwell concept of success. John Maxwell says, success is where the people that know me the most respect and love me the most. See, to me, that's success. But other people would say making more money is successful. You know what? If I can make less money, but the people that, I, that know me the best love and respect me the most, to me, that's success. So if you can't define it, how can you obtain it? You with me today? So if we're going to set the trajectory for what God wants for us for our lives, then we have to get really clear about defining what exactly it is that we believe God wants for us. 
So here's the question I have for you. What could it look like to live a blessed and fruitful life? What could it look like to live a blessed and fruitful life? Say blessed. blessed. Say fruitful. fruitful. So what could it look like to do that? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking, and he says this. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So sowing means whoever, whoever invests, whoever sows, whoever gives. And, and for the record, we're not talking just about finances, but we are talking also about finances. So for some of you, you may be good at investing finances and God has financially blessed you, but you're not good at sowing peace into people, which is why you seem to not have any. So, so it, it, it's not just about sowing money. It's also about sowing other areas of your life. So if you sow sparingly, see, some of you need to start sowing some joy into people so you can have some joy in your life. So whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful Giver, which is why even for us, when we take up the offering, we're not trying to convince you of anything. We're just trying to lead you to the feet of God where he'll lead you to do something. That's why you always say, we're not going to tell you what to give. We just want to ask you to ask God what you should give and you be obedient to him. It's none of my business. I've said it before, but for those of you that are new, I don't know what anyone in this church gives. I have no clue the dollar amount that people in this church give so that I can love every person that walks through the door the same. If you've given zero dollars over five years, I don't know it. And if you've given half a million dollars today, I would know it. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd know that one. All right. But <laughs> I just said, I'd figure that one out. All right. So. But all that to say is I don't, I don't know what people give because I want to love people the same. And the reality is we should, be a che- we should give cheerfully, whether it's our finances, whether it's joy, whether it's peace. We should love the fact that God has given us a surplus of whatever that we can then give that to someone else. So we should, we should love to walk in that. And he goes on to say, and God is able to bless you. Say bless you. Bless you. God is able to bless you abundantly so that, listen to this, in all things, say all things. At all times, say all times, having all that you need, say all that you need, you can abound in every good work. Meaning everything you need in your life to do everything God called you to do is connected to your obedience to being faithful with what he's already given you. So the trajectory for this year and the rest of your life is actually set by how we're obedient with what he's given us so that we can set the trajectory for what will be throughout the year. So this is one of the sermons I truly want to invite you. You know, it's not, every pastor is like, this Sunday's the greatest sermon I've ever preached. I don't know that this is the greatest one I've ever preached, but I will say this is a pretty important one. This is one of those, I want you to take the notes and put it on your mirror uh, or in your car or something and look at it every day because I think it'll help set that trajectory for your life. And I want to take it to Philippians 3. And let's look at what Paul said. Because here's Paul, and he's talking, and as Paul is talking, he's, he, he first of all wants to identify the fact that there is no better Hebrew person, for the record, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Hebrews, were God's chosen people. And so what Paul's about to do is he's about to explain how he's the best of the best when it comes to being a Hebrew. Like, he's the most educated, most trained, most zealous. Like, he's got all those things, but then he measures them up against what it means to follow Christ. And he's going to show you how they don't mean as much as you think they do. And he says this in Philippians 3. Let's go there. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh and their accomplishments, he says, I have more. 
I was circumcised on the eighth day, as is the customs for Hebrews. I'm of the people of Israel, meaning I'm part of the blessed nation of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, which means of the Israelites, I'm with the tribe of Benjamin, which is another tier. So I'm, I'm double dipping here, is what he's saying, right? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, I'm a Pharisee. And what he means by that is, if you didn't know, the Pharisees, they, would, they memorized books of the Bible, or in this case, the Old Testament in that time. So he's saying, I've got the law memorized. As for zeal, I was so committed to the law that I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I'm faultless. So he's saying, I've got the standards set. I've done it all. I'm as blessed as you can. I'm committed to what it looks like to follow everything to the letter. And then watch what he does next. He says, but whatever were gains to me through all of those things, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, as good as all those things were and as committed to them as they were, they don't mean anything to me because knowing Christ is the most valuable thing. But what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain, say gain, Christ. So Paul, who's the apostle, who for the record wrote almost half of the New Testament, right? Now when you look at Paul's life, he's saying none of these things really matter. Now Paul was a unique kind of guy, right? Because he had his eyes so fixed on Jesus that nothing else mattered. So just just to kind of give you a kind of a a, a run on Paul's rap sheet for just a second, he just explained to you some of the good things, but let me give you some of the bad things. So Paul was stoned and not in a good way. So he was, (sighs) ha, if you can't laugh at that, you probably ain't going to last long here. I'm just telling you right now. No, he, he, Paul, Paul was stoned. He was shipwrecked. After he was shipwrecked, he floated in the sea for three days, fell on an island. Once he got on the island, he was bitten by a snake. And then after he was bitten by a snake, he was rescued. Then he preached the gospel. He was beaten for preaching the gospel. And then after he was beaten, he was placed in prison because he was preaching the gospel. And, his whole, and then they said, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, we'll kill you. And his whole thing was, if you free me, I'm going to preach. If you don't free me, I'm going to save this prison. And if you do kill me, I'm going to meet Jesus, who I was doing it all for anyways. And what do you do to a guy like that? And, and, and the, the, the reality is Paul had something different going on up here and in here. Where he's like, none of this. He said, I'm going to do all this because this is what God has called me to steward. And for you, for him, it was his ministry. For you, it might be your ministry, but also your family or your job, your career, whatever. He said, I'm going to be responsible for these things, but my eyes are fixed right out there where Jesus is. And none of it really matters that much as long as I have Christ. And that's the thing that we have to grab a hold of that Paul is talking about. That's why in Matthew 6, 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And listen, all these things that you're really, really worried about right now, They'll just be added to you to the degree that God knows you need to have them. So we'll talk about this in a second. But you can pursue all the things and miss out on Jesus, or you can pursue after Jesus and you end up with all the right things. 
And that's why Philippians 3.12, what he finishes that with, he says, not that I have already obtained all this. So he, he, he hadn't quite got there yet. He's striving for it, but he hadn't quite got there yet. He says, not have I, I've obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal that I'm aiming for. He says this, but I press on. I'm pushing for it. I, I hadn't quite got there yet, but I'm going to keep going to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. I've got something I want to do. And here's the deal. I think all of us have that in our lives. I don't care if you're 13, 33, or 103. If you're 103, praise God. You're here. Like, rock on. But it doesn't matter where you're at in your life. God has that for you. So I don't want to give you a few things to help you, not only through this year, but just in life with what it looks like to pursue the fruitful and blessed life that God has for you. And the first thing you need to understand is that opposition will be present. Opposition will be present. Say opposition. You got to understand opposition will be present for everything that you want to do. The enemy has a plan to stop you. I'm going to say it again. For everything you want to do, the enemy has a plan to stop you. Like for, for, for everything God wants to do in your life, there's also, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. Like he's, he's like a lion looking for whom he couldn't devour. Like he, he has a goal to try to come against the very thing that you're trying to see happen. And so opposition will be present. You've got to make the decision now whether or not you're going to let God lead you through the opposition or whether or not you're going to give up early. And see, God wants you to, be, to persevere, to keep going, to not let it stop you. But here's the deal. I think for a lot of people, the opposition is aggressive. Like, how many of you have gone through seasons of your life where you're like, it is very obvious the enemy, Satan, is trying to stop me right now? Like anybody been in one of those seasons where you're like, I don't know. Like I heard someone say he won't put more on me than, he, than I can bear, but that's a lie. Come on, anybody been in one of those seasons before? You're like, because I couldn't bear it two months ago and I'm still here. Right? So you, you've gone through seasons where the, like, it was like aggressively coming against you. But here's the thing that I think many of us face nowadays is it's not aggression, it's indifference. I think the opposition for many of us, and I'll put it like this, sometimes opposition just looks a lot like indifference or apathy. It's not that everything's coming against us, it's just that we lost the ability to care. It's that we... We stop being passionate about Jesus ruling our life, and we're just going to kind of hope that it gets where we want it to. And I'm here to tell you, you've got to push through the opposition, even if the opposition is just indifference, to say, this is the life I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to raise my kids. This is what our marriage is going to look like. As for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to live this way financially. We're going to do these things spiritually. We're going to connect with people relationally. We're going we're to do these things. And however the chips fall, they're going to fall that way. But it's not going to be because I wasn't faithful to do the things God has called me to do. Opposition may come, but you've got to decide what you're going to be in the face of opposition. That's why Paul keeps going to Philippians 3, and we go to verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, right? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. I haven't got there yet, but one thing I do, listen, one thing I do, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm forgetting what's behind, and I'm straining toward what's ahead. And I feel like so many people have gotten caught up in what's back there, they're forgetting that God actually has something. Listen, if, if you'll connect to God, the best days can still be in front of you. Listen to me. If you'll connect to God, the best days can still be in front of you. And so the next thing we have to do is we got to focus on forgetting. we got to focus on forgetting. Now, here's the thing. I think many people think forgetting is just going to happen. But how anybody, anybody ever had someone come to you and say, hey, you just need to forgive and forget? 
Anybody else wanted to just say, I'm, I'm going to forget you <laughs> real, real quick, right? You just need to forgive and forget. I would love to forgive and forget. I might forgive, but how many guys will acknowledge with me, I'm never forgetting, especially if it was somebody, right? Like, see them in Target next week. Like, nah, not today, <laughs> right? That's why I said, listen, that's why I said you got to focus. You have to become intentional about forgetting. And today, I'm not necessarily talking about how people have hurt you. I'm talking about forgetting where you came from and letting that be the reason why you think God can't do something great in your life today. You need to focus on forgetting. And here's the way that I said it, because I, I, think, I think many of us have become far too in love with our past. We forgot God still wants to do something great in the future. That's why I said you, you need to receive what's coming rather than just remembering what was. And I, I even think this is important for those of you, like, I think many of us in our culture, we're still trying to live off of the favor and blessing of our grandma's faith rather than pursue our own. So, like, our, just, just how many guys, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many guys you can think in really, you've got a grandma or a mama or an aunt or somebody that they were so dedicated to their faith, it inspired you. And maybe it took a decade for it to set in, but all of a sudden it was like something happened and, and all, you, you were drawn to that place. But listen to me, you can only draw on their faith for so long because eventually you're going to need to be connected to God for yourself. And more importantly, you're going to need to lead your home and you're going to need to show your children that they need to be connected to God for themselves. So we have to represent with it. So we need to stop focusing on what was, which is why I tell people all the time, whether I'm in counseling, whatever, your past has no business in your present. The only reason we should let our past be in our present is if we're having a testimony of how God got us from where we are, were to where we are. The only reason our past should show up is it's a testimony of God's goodness for perseverance on how I didn't know how I was going to make it, but God got me through it. I didn't know how I was going to get here, but God got me here. And what happens is we, we develop a testimony. That's the only reason we need to look in the rear view. Because listen, if you're looking in the rear view mirror while you're trying to go forward, you're always going to wreck your life. So we have to set our trajectory forward. That's why Philippians 3.14, Paul says this. He says, I press on. I press on. I press forward to the goal, right? He says this. Let's go there. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's, he's straining ahead. He's, he's moving towards what God has for him. And the reality is this. You're going to have to strain and you're going to have to press because there's always going to be things coming against you. But the things that are coming against you are always going to remind you of what's behind you, which is why you need to focus on forgetting those things so you can focus on the things that are out there. Which brings me to my last thing I want to encourage you with today. And that's you need to set the goals for fruitful living. You need to set the goals for fruitful living. What is it that God wants for you? And what is it going to take for you to get there? And I, wanna, I just want to give you some recommendations uh, on three areas that I believe God wants all of us to be fruitful in. All right? And the first one is this, spiritual goals. You need to set spiritual goals for your life. What is it, what is it that you and your family are going to represent spiritually? Church attendance? Yes. If you got teenagers, man, I would get them in every teenage small group and every Wednesday night, all those things. Listen, get them connected to students so that they can thrive and develop their own prayer life, their own worship life, their own Bible reading, their own faith walk, their own journey with God so that they're not just trying to bank on what you've got. They got to start getting something for themselves. 
So anyways, do me a favor. Parents, can I be real with y'all? I'm going to do it anyways. I only got two yeses, but I'm going to do it anyways. Listen, don't bring us your 17-year-old and ask us to fix what you broke for 16 years. You didn't prioritize church attendance. You didn't care to help them learn how to pray. You didn't open a Bible in your home. Then you bring it to us at 17. They're leaving for college next year, and we don't know what we're going to do. I'm looking at y'all like, me neither. I don't know. What, I don't, what are we going to do? Now, listen, God is faithful. Hear me. So we can trust the Lord with their life. What I'm saying is, for, for parents of kids of any age, help us help you. It's not our job to Christianize your children. It's our job to be the cherry on top of the whole thing you've built into their life of Christianity. We're supplemental. You're foundational. So help us help you because we're going to do everything we can. But we need you, parents. Your your teenagers are like, I don't want to go. Well, okay. They don't want to brush their teeth either. Come on, any, any parents had teenagers go through the deodorant phase? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, brother, listen, if you're going to eat dinner tonight at this table. <laughs> All right, y'all acting like y'all don't know. Don't act brand new. I can tell some of y'all are new. Y'all don't know how to respond to this environment just yet. It's okay. It's okay. Listen, you need to set spiritual goals for your home. We're joking, but we need to, let's be real. Set you set, because if you don't define it, you'll never get there. Set the spiritual goals for your home. Next, set the financial goals for your home. Set the financial goals for your home. And the way that you can do that, oh, sorry, well, set, the way you can do that is first fruit living for financial goals. First fruit living. And hear me, some of you, make the decision now that you're going to be a tithing, generous home. And watch how God will do more with what's left than you could have done with what you started with. I just want to, matter of fact, TC, if you're a person in here and you've tried tithing and generous living and God has proven himself faithful, can you just give it up for God one time in this house? I'm telling, I'm telling you it works. I'm just, I promise you it works. It doesn't make sense, but it works. So I just want to invite you to say yes to that and watch how God will bless you and make you more. I'm not promising you a yacht tomorrow. I'm just saying God's going to take care of you, right? By the way, for spiritual goals, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer today. And uh, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., we're going to be in this auditorium. And Saturdays at 9 a.m., we're going to be in this auditorium. I want to invite you to join us for as much of that as possible. If you can't make that because of work or whatever, you create space to pray for, with you and your family. But let's take 21 days and give it to God and see what God does. And the third thing is relational goals. You need relational goals in your life. And you need to connect with people. And, and we're launching groups today. Come on, praise God. And so uh, we have small groups. They're going to be all over the city on all different days. And we want to invite you to say yes. And to give you a story of someone that was in a group last season and it changed their life, we want to check out Brent's story. Go ahead and roll it, guys. My name is Brent Worth. I just started TC in July of 23. Uh, before that, I was at another local church. We ended up feeling the calling from God to uh, leave that church and go to another one. We were going to do some church hopping, and uh, I know a couple people here, and we decided to come here the first weekend, and we never left. It is by far the best culture I've ever seen anywhere. So I was in the men's freedom group. When we went into this group, uh, I had no expectations. I kind of dropped my expectations at the door. It's kind of what I like to do because you never know what's gonna happen. A couple years ago, 
Uh, in 22, we lost my two oldest sons' mom. Um, she passed away, and I had a lot of unanswered questions about that. Uh, there wasn't really closure on it. And I actually met two people that were there that day that gave me closure. Just the little bit of information that they had, it wasn't a lot, but it was just enough to be like, God was, God was just tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you can let it go now. And with the stuff that we learned in the book for the Freedom Book, uh, compounded with that experience right there, and that was only the third night, we all started to become really close. Uh, we had some uh, guys go through some really tough times while we were in the group uh, that I got to experience something that I really haven't experienced in another group where everybody came together and really encouraged uh, those guys what, the, what they were going through, we got to walk alongside of them. A lot of us had similar experiences or uh, stuff we could add in. So having all that stuff that, that you've been through and being able to guide somebody else through a rough time in their life was something amazing to see, something I really haven't seen in another group. If you're looking for healing, it'll be in these groups. This is what groups are all about. And I think in my previous churches, uh, not just the last one, but before then, uh, being in groups and teaching groups and leading groups, uh, is something I missed, something I didn't know was supposed to happen. And it didn't happen naturally in those until this last group that I was in. So if, if you're struggling to heal from a traumatic experience, or even if you're just healing from everyday life. I mean, we all need healing and you'll find it in these groups. These groups are pivotal for your growth as a Christian and your walk with Christ. Do one season. I guarantee you, if you step through the door on those first two nights, you won't leave. It's so true what Brent said, man. To give it, give it a season. I promise you, it'll, it'll change your life. Here's the deal that I say. I say this about groups all the time, though. If you'll work the groups, the groups will work for you. So, like, you got to show up, you know. And uh, I think for many of us, we know, what a, we, we know what it looks like to live a life where we're surviving. But what would it look like to take your life from surviving to thriving? What would it look like to take your life from surviving to actually thriving spiritually, financially, relationally? Because I think, I think when you can get those three things in order, everything else just kind of falls into place, honestly. Those are the three areas that Jesus spent the most amount of his time speaking to. Because I think it deals with our heart. It deals with our emotions. It deals with our healing. Because we all know somebody that's like, I don't need nobody. I got God. And he's like, that's a lie. I can prove it to you. First of all, because God said you need somebody. In James 5, he said, confess your sins or your faults to one another so you can be healed. So healing actually requires other people. So like, we all need somebody. And for the record, everyone that says, I don't need nobody, all I need is God, they're the most bitter people you know. They're like, I don't need nobody. And it's like, it sounds like you need a few people, honey. <laughs> right? Like, we joke about it, but I think we've all been there. And here's the deal. You may have a few reasons not to trust people, 
But the fact that you need to be healed so that God can do something great through your life is reason enough for you to trust somebody else. Because everyone you're gonna have to trust is also gonna be trusting you because they've been hurt by somebody too. So we all need it. You know, Psalm 65, 11, in the Good News translation, which I don't use very often, but I love the way it worded this scripture. It says, what a rich harvest your goodness, talking about God's goodness, provides. Where you, talking about God, where God goes, there is abundance. So follow him. Set the trajectory for your life. You know, I told you we, we flew to New York and, uh, how many of you guys know we didn't just show up at the airport whenever we wanted to and get on that plane? Anybody? You know what I mean? You know, it wasn't like, we'll just go to the airport and surely that, the plane that we see will be the one going to the destination at the right time. I mean, that's not how that works. Where, where are the get to the airport three hour early people at? Where y'all at? Y'all sickening me. I ain't got time for that. Where are the, they're holding the gate for you people at? Where y'all at? There you are. There you are. Those are my people. Uh, <clears throat> But in all honesty, I don't guys know, matter of fact, based on the statistics, I just want to give you a little bit of math real quick to help you understand. Maybe this will kind of drive this point home. If you just showed up to the Pensacola airport for your flight, there's a 2% chance you end up on the right plane based on the number of planes that leave the Pensacola airport every day. There's a 2% chance you end up on the right plane. If you flew out of the Atlanta airport, There's a 0.02% chance you end up on the right plane because of the number of planes that leave every day. Because that, that's the number. Now, let me just, let, let me bring this home for you for a second. You know how many decisions you make every day? Approximately 35,000 decisions every day, statistically. Whether that's I want avocado on my toast or I want extra pepperoni on my pizza which I don't know that's why, why that's a decision. I think that's automatic. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't, but y- y'all do your thing. Whatever, live your life. Just don't eat pizza with me. All right? but, but whatever decision it is, you make 35,000 decisions. Now, hear me for a second. If you don't, if you're not intentional about what decisions you're supposed to make, do you know what the chances are you'll make the right decision in those three areas of your life? 0.004%. If you don't decide ahead of time the life that God wants you to live and pursue it, there's a 0.004% chance you're going to make the right decision. That's tough. And guess what? If you did that every day, do you know what the, you know what the percentage of chance is that by the end of the year you'll be where you want to be? It's just statistically. You have a 0.000007% chance that the end of this year will be the way you want it to be if you don't make the conscious decision today to make it that way. Now, some of y'all may like to wing it and be wander around kind of people like Pastor Justin and my wife. (laughs) But I think we'll all be honest and say, I think I need to set the trajectory of my life to get where God wants me to be. So let's do that. And my invitation to you is this. Stop wondering and create a plan for the areas of your life you want to be the most fruitful. Don't hope you end up there. Set the plan to end up there. 
This is how we're going to live our spiritual life in our home and create a plan. This is how we're going to be financially blessed in our home. We're going to do these things. This is how we're going to be relationally healthy. We're going to join some groups. We're going to do these things. And listen to me, as you do these things, you can trust that at the end of the year, it'll be the life that God wants for you because he's shown us in his word that's what he wants. And you can change the trajectory. And here's the thing I want to invite you to as we close. Imagine, say imagine. Imagine how impactful your life could be if you lived the fruitful life that God has for you. Man, God could not just do something to your life, but TC, say it with me, he could do something through your life. Because it's not just for you, it's for the world around you that he wants to do something through you. Let's do it together, amen? amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you that there is a blessed, generous, favor-filled life, a fruitful life that you want us to live. And we thank you. You gave us a roadmap on how to get there. We're not just trying to figure it out. So, God, I pray for every person that's here today, that, Lord, you would stir in their hearts a desire to say yes to the right things and say no or wait to things that maybe aren't wrong things. They're just not now things so that we can prioritize the life you've called us to. We thank you for it today, and we love you. In Jesus' name, if you're here today, you say, Brad, I, I want that life, but I'm recognizing I can't have that life without Jesus being the Lord of my life. And today, I need to make a decision for Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If that's you today, the beauty of the gospel is that when Jesus died on the cross, and he rose again from the dead. He paid for our sins, my sins, your sins. And today, if you want a fresh start with Jesus, all it takes is that you would put your faith in him, your belief that he did actually do that, and you can be forgiven with a fresh start. And today, if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. This prayer doesn't save you. This prayer just puts words to the actions of your heart. He says, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. So you're not praying by yourself. The whole church will pray with you. So let's pray. Say, dear Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me my sin. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's give it up for all those that prayed today. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.